Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 62. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the IBJJF Adult Black Belt World Champion, Gi Enogi Muhammad Ali. He shared the early days of his career, the challenge of balancing the life of a professional athlete while building his personal brand and spending time with his family. And during the interview, the word commitment popped up a few times, which inspired me to title this episode, Be Committed to Your Vision. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I share my takeaway with you. So stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad is a black belt in jiu-jitsu under Lloyd Irving. Muhammad is an IBJJF adult black belt world champion gi and no gi. He has a YouTube channel in Portuguese with over 100,000 subscribers where he interviewed important figures in BJJ as well offering techniques and commentary on a wide range of topics. He's also an avid supporter of social projects, helping underprivileged participating in jiu-jitsu. Mohamed, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. How are you, Gustavo? Thanks, man. Finally, we're finally here together, right? Yes, we're trying this for a little bit, but you're a busy man. So I know you're always competing, training, doing seminars, and always following you and in your show in Portuguese, too, which is pretty cool. There's a, a lot of... Uh, uh, good stuff there. I don't know if you. I don't know if you do any. Have you been doing interviews in in English yet? No. No interviews. I'm starting. I started a YouTube channel to um, show my routine. You know, I do a little vlogs. I sometimes I talk about mindset too. Mm -hmm. But it's more like a regular YouTube channel. You know, I didn't do any interviews there yet. I'm mm -hmm. supposed to do some, but then because you 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 need to be consistent, right? And when you have to be consistent and also count on other people, it's harder, you know? So I was like, man, let me just do my part first, you know, build like, let's see if the people are going to like what I'm, what I'm about to show. And then if they like, eventually, if I have a, like an audience, I can, you know, eventually start to interview people. Yeah. But you've been doing the Sochin, right? Which is basically an interview in Portuguese with a lot of the... Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's a, po it's a podcast format, but I use the video too. Mm -hmm. uh, only YouTube. I don't. I don't use any other apps yet. But I'm thinking about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's basically the same thing, but it's in Portuguese, which is kind of sad for the people who don't speak Portuguese. Yeah. So tell us how jujitsu show up in your life. Tell us how martial arts in general show up in your life, and then jujitsu. 
okay, I was a teenager, 14 years old. Um, I was training. I was. Uh, I used to do a lot. You know, I used to be on the on the street. You know how it is in Brazil. You, you used to be on the street, running here and there, going places, doing everything. And then eventually, I was studying for ten for ten hours a day. I was doing a we call technical high school in Brazil, which means that you do a regular high school, and then you also do. That's my daughter right here, and you also do. Um, you learn a profession. You know, you learn something to make money when you're not when you're no longer studying. And then I was doing um, software development, man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And then I um, I started, and it was cool. School was fine, but uh, for the first time in my life, I wasn't being active. You know, I wasn't running. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't playing soccer or anything. And then I was st I started to get mad. You know, I was I was mad at home. I was arguing with my mom and everything. And then eventually she, like, my family thought it was only about my age. You know, they're like, oh, he's a teenager. He's, he's being a teenager, you know. And then I started eventually to try and kickboxing. And then I got calm again. You know, I got calm. I got uh, disciplined at home. And then I was like, man, I'm not going to stop doing this. You know, I'm going to keep doing it. And then I trained kickboxing for like six months, I think. And then one guy showed up and wanted to do an MMA round. It was cool, but then he got me in the triangle, you know. <laughs> and then eventually I had to, I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to learn this jiu-jitsu thing. You know, I'm going to learn that. And then that was that was my start. You know, that's how I started. I I had to do something to learn jujitsu just enough because I didn't like jujitsu. I was like, man, that thing is too gay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I had to I had to learn at least the basics. And eventually, I was I was like I didn't know the basics took me five years to learn. <laughs> and then as soon as I was like, man, maybe I know a little bit now. I have a whole lot more to learn, you know. So I was still doing like MMA kickboxing thing, but my thing now was all about jujitsu, you know. My heart, my passion, but everything was about jujitsu. So that's how I started. Yeah. And how do you feel jujitsu relate to life? How long have you been training now, total? Ten years. Ten years. Ten years, yeah. So in this ten years journey so far, how do you feel to relate to life? Man, I think jujitsu is everything. Because I think the best knowledge you can get is the self-knowledge, right? The more you learn about yourself, the more you're going you're gonna to feel comfortable being out there in the world, you know, like working or uh, dealing with other people. You feel better when you know yourself, when you know how you, how you react in a bad situation, how you react when you're struggling and everything. So you learn that a lot in jiu-jitsu. You know, so when you're training there with your training partners, you struggle a lot. You know, you have pains, you have injuries, and also you have to pay attention and think about other people's injuries too. So you don't want to hurt yourself, but you also don't want to hurt other people. So you kind of learn how to deal with ups and downs in life, you know. So I think that there is a phrase that Dun Gable said. He's a wrestler, but it's funny, man, because it's this, I feel the same thing for jiu-jitsu. He says, once you wrestle it, everything else in life is easy. You know, so I think jiu-jitsu teach me how to... That's funny being saying jiu-jitsu, right? Because we say jiu-jitsu. 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sometimes I, I I see myself doing that. I'm like, man, why, why are you why are you doing that? Are you gringo now. <laughs> so yeah, every time um, I see that phrase about uh, from Gable, I agree 100. You know, I'm not gonna say that life is easy. I'm, I'm never gonna say that. But with jujitsu, you learn how to focus on what what you can focus. You know, control what you can control, and everything else you shouldn't be worrying about. Mm-hmm. And when did you have the spark to pursue the vision of being a professional athlete, pursue jiu-jitsu? When was the moment that you thought, you know what? I don't think I want to go to school. I want to take this to another level. So I think it wasn't a spark, to be honest. I think it was some. It was a seed that I planted or my instructor planted on my heart. And it started to grow little by little, you know, because I was a white belt. All I wanted to survive, you know, I wasn't even thinking about tournaments yet. I was thinking about, man, I want to survive on practice because everybody was beating me up bad. And I was the kind of kid that was going to try stuff. So people wanted to make sure that like they beat me up every time because I would, I would try anyway. So if they don't, I'm not going to say that I'm going to beat you, but I'm going to try stuff. And that's a little annoying for the black belt, you know, for the person who's doing that for 10 years. And I remember that I, that I would get beat. Like every day I would get there and get beat. But I loved it. You know, I loved it. So it started to grow. At, at first I wanted to survive. And then eventually I started surviving a little more. Eventually I started training better with the white belts and blue belts. And eventually I was, tra- I was doing a lot of rounds. I wasn't resting that much, you know. so. And then eventually, let's, let's do tournaments, you know. And then I went to the tournaments. I won some. I lost some. And then I was like, man, you know what? Maybe I can do a little more. You know, maybe I can do a little more. And, and then I start winning and losing and winning and losing. And eventually somebody, hey, man, let, let me pay your registration. Because back in the day, I was working in a – I was working – Hi. Doing, hi. <laughs> I was doing everything. I was doing everything. I was working with, like, security – I was working with like waitress and stuff. I was doing everything basically. And then eventually somebody was like, Hey man, you know what? You can't stop working. I'm going to pay your registrations and stuff. And then eventually I could leave at the gym, you know, so I had a place to stay. It was little by little, literally. It wasn't like a day that I, man, you know what? I'm going to be an athlete. But as soon as I finished my high school, I told myself, man, I'm going to wait a year until I think about college, you know, because in Brazil, as soon as you finish um, high school, you do a lot of tests we call vestibular. How do we call it that here? Yeah, there's no such a thing. One day I had an interview with uh, Draculino and you were talking about the same thing. There's no such a thing in in U.S., you know, a test basically to qualify for you to go to school and so forth. But it, they don't have, a, a, I don't think there's anything that I can, as far as I know, they can translate close to. Yeah, so the the best thing would be like, I know here if you have good grades and if you do sports, you're gonna have a scholarship, right, in college. So that's what that's what happens in Brazil. But the, they don't do sports. They do like if you're smart and if you know if you have a good grades and you can do a good test. Sometimes you can do a, a university for free. So that's why that's what most kids try in Brazil. You know, teenagers. And then I was like, man, I'm going to wait a year until I do that because I'm in love with jiu-jitsu and I want to use that. I want to I do a year and see what happens, you know. 
So I was training a lot. I was competing. I was working. Man, I was doing everything. What belt were you back then? Um, blue belt. Blue belt. And then one day I start, um, I went there to Nogueira's Brothers because they had a Nogi three times a week at noon. And now in Brigadier the School, I started with, they didn't have like a early practice. It was only a night, you know. So I went there and started training with Nogueira's brothers, you know, and that was an awesome experience. So for me, it was like that, man. It wasn't a spark. It was something that I was growing little by little. The like more organically. Yeah, the more I worked, the more I got confident, you know, the more I got stronger, I got, you know, faster. I was doing good in practice, you know. Eventually, I was meeting new people, people telling me, oh, man, I think you're good, man. I think you're good. I think it's going to work for you. So I kept working, and then one day, man, I was in Europe fighting Euros, you know. So it was like that. It was fast. And how was the transition for you from the moment? Now, fast forward in a little bit in your career, when you moved to the U.S., which is a big move. I, I feel we have people listening from all over the world. Moving to another country, it's not an easy task. And you pursue something that it's not that simple to make a living with. So how was that transition? It was hard in a lot of ways. But I didn't know that. <laughs> that that's, what I, that's what I tell people a lot of times. They, they ask me about my, my youth when I was growing up. Hey, man, how was it to grow up in Brazil, in Rio, in Gardenia Zoo? I was like, man, I didn't know any better. <laughs> you know, so for me, it was the only thing I knew, I knew. So coming to America was the same thing. I came here to learn from Americans. So the great thing today, but it was bad back in the day, was like, man, nobody here spoke Portuguese. You know, so for me, was hard, but at the same time, it was great because most Brazilians that I know, they are here in America for five years. They don't even speak English, you know, and some other guys, they don't even speak Portuguese, right? <laughs> so it's good for me to have that knowledge nowadays to be able to communicate, you know, uh, with gringos, let's say that, like that gringos. Um But it was hard, man. Everything was hard. Like, I had to, like, social security stuff, take my driver's license. Take, like, every, I had to learn literally everything by myself. You know, I had to build my own credit. Like, I didn't know about credit at first. You know, so it was, like, everything was little by little. You know, it was hard. It was hard. But, like, it was, it was awesome looking back. But, man, during the time, it was super hard. And how was mentally for you that transition, you know, from you making a decision, okay, I'm leaving Brazil, and how was your mindset back then during this transition? Like you said, you didn't know better, right? And I know exactly what you mean. When I moved in, I thought it would be like, oh, it would be okay. I, mm. I definitely thought, of, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a little easier, let's see. Yeah. But uh, well, how was your mindset back then when you look back now? Man, I was lucky that when I came here, I was reading the Mike Tyson book. So in Mike Tyson's book, he had a chapter where he talks about when he was in jail, right? So he was in jail for, I don't know how long he stayed in jail, but like he was saying that he would be in jail and he would get the, grab the phone and call his friends and, every, and everybody from outside the jail. And he said that he was very unhappy because he was living two lives, you know? 
he was like, man, I was, I was living my, my jail life and my outside of jail life too. And when I first came here, I was doing the same. I was here um, working, training and doing everything, but I was also calling everybody in Brazil. I was, I was living here, but I was also living my other life in Brazil. I was calling everybody. I would see pictures like people going to the beach or going to the party or something. And then I'll be like, I'll be sad here because I wasn't there, you know? So reading this chapter of the book helped me a lot to focus, you know, man, you're here, you're not in Brazil anymore. Maybe one day you can't come back, but now you're here. So live your life here and don't be looking back to Brazil because at the same time, a lot of people who are there, they want to be here and you were here and wanted to be there, you know? So you kind of make yourself unhappy because you're trying to live two lives. You chose to be here. Nobody told, like nobody brought you here by force. So you came here by yourself. So make sure you're happy here, you know, make yourself happy. Yeah, no, I like that. And it's good that you had the clarity, you know what I mean? To see that because I can totally see how people get homesick and all that thing. I'm, I came pretty determined to, that is it. And when I came over 20 years ago, it's not like the internet was really popping and you have apps and you have, you know, or even the, the messenger like they used to have. They had none of that. So to call Brazil was a little more complicated. So for me, it was uh, in a way, I guess, was to adapt. Like it is exactly what he said. It is what it is. I'm here. And I have, I had only my car in Brazil and I sold it. And I was like, that was it. You know, like I, I won't, I won't go back. I, I keep, can really go back so i have to deal with what i have here now how is i always like to say man the life of a pro athlete especially in jiu-jitsu you are an entrepreneur straight up because you have to hustle you have to do the seminars you have to train you have to you you have a brand you know you are your brand so you're super active with the youtube and everything so how is to balance this your entrepreneurial life that you just basically kind of de started developing the past few years? How has it been to balance that with your training, family, and doing all this extra work? It's hard because doing the work is not hard. Like, you can create the habits, you know, you can, like, instead of being on a WhatsApp or Instagram, we can do, be doing all this stuff. You can, instead of being watching Netflix, you can be creating your own content to help people. That's not the hard part. The hard part is the commitment, is the mindset behind it. Because like, if you do something good, you naturally wanted to do everything good. You know, if you're great here, you want to be great everywhere else. So my thing is that like, sometimes I, I'm too, I'm, I'm all the way into the videos and stuff that I kind of forget a little bit about. No, I don't forget, I'm there, but my mind is, is thinking videos. Sometimes, you know, sometimes my mind, is my mind is thinking, hey, man, that can help people. I can, it's just like a teacher, a instructor. Like sometimes you're thinking about teaching your students, but you're not thinking about doing yourself, you know, getting yourself in shape. So that's my biggest struggle with the social media, YouTube. That's the hardest part about my, uh, my life. Because sometimes I'm all about videos and, and, and stuff. So that's why now I'm not doing videos at all. I'm trying to train. I'm trying to do my stuff and win tournaments. So that's the hardest part, I think, like to 
get your mind like man that's my focus i want to win i want to do everything and i do these things at the side you know because like if i was maybe a nba player i would have enough money to you know just hire people to do stuff yeah but since i'm like a small brand like you said i have to do the work and also like sometimes you can have people to do the work for you but you don't trust it's like man it's my brand i cannot allow other people to you know make decisions and touch and and use my brand the way they want you know so at the same time you cannot pay somebody what they deserve and at the same time you want to have a good work so you just do yourself you know so that's the yeah. way i man i cannot even imagine no i haven't been a an active active competitor let's say for over 20 years because in the 90s were my the main years that I was competing, but I can imagine do you, and back then again, no internet. So, and I always, I did pretty decent with sponsors and so forth because I knew that to live my dream, I needed that, but definitely um, I can see the, the times that I have competed in us having a couple of different businesses and different things. I would go through phases that, Okay, if I'm going, and I know there's something, it's always like something's got to give, right? I know that especially me having a school, promoting tournaments, doing whatever, and then I try to train and or teach, it's, it's a lot. So I would go through windows like, okay, I think this time I can sacrifice this part here and here and here, and then I'll do it. But when I try to do all together, there's no way, something's got to give. So, um, I mean, I'm, I don't compete really anymore, but the times that I did... Um, and you said a key word, the commitment. So that's why I said, okay, I, I don't compete often, often, but when I do, I have to make sure that I'm doing my part. I'm not going to a tournament to just fill up brackets. You know, I want to make sure that I'm going there with intentions to win and sometimes trying to do all that. It, it seems like a lot of, I see a lot of pro jiu-jitsu competitors doing, doing actually pretty well on like their season of seminars they focus on one part of just okay from this to this competing now from this time to this time they focus a little bit more on seminars and back back off a little bit on tournament i think this balance is pretty interesting and i think it's new for everyone man uh for jiu-jitsu dealing with like building your brand and dealing competitions more tournaments coming up i think it's new for everyone Yeah, I think so too. But uh, but but if you look back, if you look back, if you see guys like Fabio Gurgel, they did the same. Absolutely. No, they did the same. They didn't they didn't just train and compete and sit down, sit on the couch and be ready for the future. Like a lot of people did that. They did great in tournaments, but you don't hear about them nowadays. You know, so I think that you have I mean you don't have to you do whatever you want, but like If you want to be active, if you want to keep your legacy alive, you have to do more than just winning, you know? Yeah, no doubt. So what do you feel that has been, you mentioned about the struggle of balancing all that. So I always like to ask people, what are the toughest entrepreneur experience that you have so far? So I know that you, this is all fairly new to you in the past few years of building your brand. So what are some other challenges that you have faced and what did you learn from it? Man, I think a lot of times we confuse, we get confused about like the reason that we do stuff. You're going to understand that 
Because like sometimes we have the balance between helping people and making money, right? So a lot of times you were there to help people, you know, that's how we started, you know. But at the same time, you're working. Like to to help somebody, you have to work. Like to put a video out there, if you want to make sure it's a good video, if you, if you have a good content, you first spend money with gear. Most people don't know that like a microphone, a computer, a camera, everything is money. So you're spending your money and you want that money back. One. Two, you're working, you're putting your time. Like I have a daughter and she's 20 months today. And uh, like, man, you want to spend time in your family, you know, and sometimes you're not there because you're building something for your future. But at the same time, you're there to help other people. You know, so I think the biggest challenge is to uh, approach the right, the right way, you know, not just one thing or the other, because if you only do f- to help people, eventually you're going to lose motivation because like, man, I'm helping everybody. First of all, people don't care. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. first of all, like most people don't, they don't want to be helped. You know, they're just there to, to hear what you're about to say, but they don't want to be helped, first of all. Second, if you only do for money, you get empty. You're like, man, I'm getting this money here, but like, so what? You know, so I think the biggest thing for entrepreneurs is that like to find a balance and to find a core reason why you're doing something. Because if you don't have money, eventually, if you're good, you're going to have money. You're going to have the money. And now the reason you did something is not there anymore. It's just like jujitsu. Like I wanted to get out of Gardenia. I wanted to get out of Brazil. I wanted to have my own car. I wanted to have all this. And now I have a house. I have a car. I have like a family. I have money to buy the shoes I want. So what is the reason? If the reason is just money, eventually if you're good, if you work, you're going to have the money. So what now? You have to think, go back and look at yourself and like, man, why do I do that? Because if it's just money, I don't, I don't have to do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So a lot of times we get confused about the reason we do stuff. I don't know if, if I answered that. Yeah, no, uh, no, I understand. And when we're talking about two of like, I always like to mention, not forget about you for sometimes people see it, uh, maybe feel that it's a selfish approach, but reality is we're talking about you helping others, but you have to watch for yourself. And, uh, yeah, of course. and, and the main thing that I like to say is uh, it's always, there's a reason why when s- something goes bad in an airplane, they say, make sure they put the mask on you first, then you put in everyone else because if you put the mask on everyone else and then you're like, Ugh, and then you're, yeah. and then you're done. And how are you going to be able to help people in the future if you're not even able to help yourself? So it's always having the concept of man masking on you first. So with that, you can help more people the other way around definitely is not going to work. Even because if you're one of them, let's say uh, when I say them, I, 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 may, I talked about, average people people who know what they want to be yet they somewhere looking for a hope looking for a light or whatever these people are not going to listen to anybody who's like them you know if you work to a nine to five job and if, if you're trying to get out of this you're not going to he- listen to other people just like you you want to you want to listen from somebody who's been through that and now they're somewhere else you know so that's the way I think too. Like you have to make sure yourself do a good job, be successful, 
So now people gonna as soon as you say something, people are gonna stop and pay attention. You don't have to be yelling or screaming. You can you can be calm and talk. People are gonna shut up and listen because they see you as an example, you know. So I see of course you got a really good resume in jujitsu and a, and you're a great performer. But now I just wanna ask you a little bit about how do you feel performing as far as mentally and emotionally Because, you know, we have all kinds of people. The, same, uh, the podcast is not really about jiu-jitsu or competition. But, of course, you learn a lot of the, the patterns that you have, a lot of the emotional issues that you have through competition and then reflect very often off the mat and business and so forth. But how do you feel or how was the transition maybe in the beginning? Did you always feel pretty good, comfortable competing or used to get a little nervous? I mean, yeah. how was the... Oh, this, this year, for example, it was horrible because like after I won Worlds last year, I thought just by winning Worlds, you're naturally now rich. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think about that, but maybe I assumed, you know, maybe there was something in my heart that, that, that was telling me, man, that's all you need. You need that gold medal, you know. So as soon as I got that gold medal, I'll wait for like two weeks on my email. My, man, my, my email inbox didn't get anything. <laughs> And then I was like, damn, man, like, so what do I have to do now? You know, so at the same time, I was happy because of my accomplishment. But at the same time, I was feeling, oh, my God, I was empty a little bit. I was like, man, okay, so now I got that. What else, Like, what about now? My daughter was like five months back in the day. And then I was like, man, I have a daughter, you know, like, uh, what, what do I have to do now? You know? So it was hard for me to get back in shape and train to win again, because winning didn't make sense anymore for me. I don't know if you understand, or, or I know, understand but, I, I know. but, but it's like, man, it doesn't make sense for you to work as much. And at the end of the day, your life is all messed up. You know, so I, I had to come back here, sit down for months, man, for months and being watching like interviews from people. That's that's one reason that I do my interviews too and my, my podcast too, because man, a lot of kids, they don't get ready for that. They are training to win, you know, and they're going to eventually win. And now they're going to feel, I don't know, I felt empty. Maybe because I didn't have other world champions around me to look up to. Man, it was it was hard. So I was I was losing a lot of tournaments because I was trying to organize like the same commitment thing that I said. I was organizing my life, man, like getting the right sponsorships, getting the right sponsors, get the right things. And eventually, when I saw my heart, the, when I when I get in the bed, when I touch my pillow, I wouldn't be thinking about winning as much. I was thinking about other stuff. Which is good too. I think it's just like adult life, you know. Um, but that was hard. So coming up to the worst this year, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like it wasn't like last year, man. I'm gonna win, blah blah blah. blah. I'm a month thinking about that. I just didn't know, man. I was like, man, I want to make sure that I'm in shape, like throughout the month. I was like, man, I'm training. I'm doing my best, you know. I'm doing everything. But I didn't know, Gustavo, like, it, it wasn't like a thing. I, I was afraid of, like, losing the first match, <laughs> to be honest. I was like, man, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I was like, man, I wasn't insecure, but I knew that the Muhammad of 2018 is never going to lose to this Muhammad right here, you know? So I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then I won the first match. I was like, damn, I, I, got, I got a good score. I tapped the guy out. And I was like, oh, man, submission? Okay, because I wasn't tapping nobody for a year because my mind, everything. And then second match, I, I tapped the guy out too, a guy that already beat me that is super good too. I was like, damn, now I'm in the semifinals. Oh, my God. <laughs> so now we're going to Sunday. And then I got there Sunday. All the great guys that I thought that are they're supposed to win the other side of the bracket, they all lost. And then there was another great guy, but I didn't expect him to be on the semis with me. And then, man, I fought this guy. He was great. I won. I was like, damn, I'm in the finals again. You know, for two years straight, I was like, damn. I lost the finals, but I felt great. I felt great because, man, with my life going on like that, you know, like, man, my relationship, it was Everything was bad in my life. So I was very insecure, but at the same time, I was working a lot. I was working. I was training. I was doing everything. I was eating right. I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. Just my mind wasn't sharp enough. So answering your question, I don't know, man. Like sometimes you feel great and lose. And sometimes you feel bad and win. The thing is that nowadays, man, the way I think is that like, it doesn't matter the way you feel, man. Like, you got to do what you got to do. What you do is that matters. Like, the way you feel, it doesn't matter, I think. I don't know if you agree with me. Well, the way I see, I mean, I went through my roller coaster of confidence from starting jiu-jitsu from being like zero to, uh, to lose a lot, to got some good results and then come down and... Um, I'm, I'll be 45 this year, so I'm a little older than you. So I, I had my, my roller coaster, but I just started, uh, especially when I start getting involved with mental coaching, mm -hmm. I, I have to say that I've been doing jujitsu for 30 years and I'll say that the first 20 years of my career heavily focused on outcome, just win, win, have to win, have to win, have to win. And, um, and if I if I did win, like that's what it's supposed to do. And then if I uh, if I lost, it was like this big disaster, you know. So when I started to get involved with the mental coaching, my motivation to compete changed because I started to understand what all my patterns, everything was holding me back from being myself. Because when you're, this is the problem that sometimes you focus so much in the outcome that you just forget about doing what you're supposed to do, you know? And I always mention uh, for my students, I always say like, man, my goal with you is just on Monday after the tournament because whether you win or lose, uh, life goes on, okay? You don't have a free pass for your bills. Everything continues the same. But what I want you after the tournament is just tell me like, man, it was me on the mat. It's just, I really tried the moves that I've been doing in the academy felt great the guy just did better straight up there's nothing like i froze i was in a position that i should have tried to change my game i didn't because i was afraid if it passed if if pass was gonna lose if i was gonna lose i'm gonna be 
uh, judged by people and then people think that I'm not good enough. It's just a vicious cycle, you know? So when I started to peel this apart, I started to look competitions in a different way. So in competition, basically when you have goals for, for tournaments, the way I see it, the way that I kind of learn in mental coaching too, you're going to have three types of goals. You're going to have your outcome goal, which is pretty straightforward. You want to win, period. If you're a world-class, even if you're not a world-class guy, but you put your name in anything, you'll be like, well, that would be nice if I could win. Everyone wants to win. So you don't focus on that. It's like you're getting that goal. You put it in a little box and you put that box in a shelf and say like, okay, what do I have to do to get better odds of achieving the outcome that I want, which is inside that box, which is win or top four or whatever. Then you focus on a process and performance. So you have the performance goal and the the process goal. The process goal is basically your everyday stuff. Like, okay, you break down. What do I do? What do I eat? How do I sleep? So all that. And the number two is the performance goal. That's where I started to focus more in my career. And performance goal, the win kind of takes a little backseat. So the performance goal, by the way, everything that I'm sharing here to all the listeners to understand, um, who am I to say I'm, I know everything. I'm just saying my personal experience of what was doing. And I do that with my students because I wish someone had told me this um, when I was in, uh, younger. The performance goal, basically I start to pick some of the moves that I've been doing really well at the academy, but I haven't had the confidence to use in a tournament yet. Or sometimes I haven't landed in a position and sometimes there's some moves, I guarantee that everyone's listening, Maybe there's a move that, man, I've done this. I do this really well at the school, but I haven't used this in a tournament yet. And sometimes it's just because of confidence that you're like, ah, if I try this here and it doesn't work, this guy passed. And if he passed, da 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 So that's one of the, the common mental mistakes is the fear of making costly mistakes. And I have worked with a lot of uh, good athletes in jiu-jitsu, uh, black belt world champions, and one of the most common mistakes that I, that I find is the fear of making mistakes. So one way of doing that is guys that only pull guard. It would be like, get a small tournament and you just got to play top. Play top. Force yourself in position. So I'll go in and I'll pick maybe a takedown that I do well that I haven't used or maybe a passing style that I haven't used that I, that I want to, uh, to approach. For example, one of my... You, you know, maybe some of the, the listeners, you have some people that follow the jiu-jitsu competition scene. Some people don't. So one of my, my students, uh, Orlando Monteiro, he was in the top five of the, the top ten, the IBJJF black belt. He, when he was a blue belt, he won Europeans and everything, but just gluing his back on a mat and double pulls, getting his triangles, fake sweeps to get advantage because he was terrified to play top. Okay? So... I could, I, I've done that before when I was younger, so I could see, I didn't, he didn't have to tell me that he, didn't, he wasn't confident passing. I've done that. So I told him, I'm like, what's your goal? I was like, I want to be a world champion. I said, you know what belt? And he said, black belt. So you better start changing right now because it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So I started to force him. He'll go to tournaments. And I said, like, you go to little tournaments. I said, I do not want to see you pulling guard at anybody. Like, you're going to compete in a small little tournament. You want what's going to make a change in, in, your, in, a, in, your, in your life? Nothing. So 
I taught him to be like, man, those tournaments, they're paid open mats. That's just what that is. You just pay to roll with some dudes. It just matters to be in front of people and you get a medal for that, period. You know, if the same person show up at the school, you're going to have to do the same thing. You're going to have, you're going to try to use the same moves. And then he started to become more confident, more confident. And now uh, he became a lot more dangerous because people don't know if he's going to play top or bottom. And he feels a lot more comfortable. And, um, and I'm super proud of him. He always, uh, he doesn't send me his highlights when he competed of getting triangles anymore. He sent me the highlights of him passing because I understand the demons that he faced to get that confidence in the top. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of guys out there that I have helped before that used to just play guard and suddenly you see them playing top. They're like, wow, he has changed. Like, yes, he started to face his demons. And for all the listeners, you have to face your demons. It's in a competition or in business. If that means that that uncomfortable call that needs to be like, what if I'm get rejected? What if it doesn't work? What if I make a mistake? That is the same deal. You have to face your demons and jujitsu competition. It's an incredible way to do so. And I always mention personal uh, jujitsu is an incredible personal development tool, right? And if you want to amplify the power of this tool, sign up for a tournament because you're going to feel like performing in under pressure situations and in business, you have to perform in under pressure situations, deal with this, this loss, just feel, just deal with the, like the winning, the losing, uh, it's all part of it. So just kind of getting back to the performance uh, goal. So, Mohammed, what I can tell you is that starts to give me more fulfillment in competing. Because for me, I'm 45. Do you think I care about winning world? Champions? The world. I don't care. For me, like if I compete in that on the or international open, for me, Gustavo at 45, it doesn't matter. It's not going to make me happier. You know what I mean? But I had one competition. I was in Abu Dhabi, uh, 2014. I went super, super focused on my performance goal. And, and I was able to, to hit a leg drag combination that I was practicing a lot when he finished the tournament. People were like, yeah, you won. I w- the last thing I was thinking about that I won, I was so stoked that I was able to put in practice what I challenged myself to do so. That competition started to become, that is the kick for me get to things that I want to use, put in practice so I get the fulfillment. No one's going to understand. No one is going to see. So I think this is even like a, uh, a cool like challenge for you. Some of the challenges, man, I really want to use some of that stuff. And, when you, and the cool thing is that when it works, it's awesome. Don't get me right. It's like, dude. And, but when you lose, at least you have the piece that, man, I try that. I tried it didn't work. What did I learn from here? But when you, there's nothing better than perform to the best of your ability, be yourself, and have a gold medal. Man, there's no better combination than that, for sure. But to have like internal peace of you having this plan, attacking, doing something that it's new for you in jujitsu or in business, it feels different. So it's not just the outcome. Yay, I, I closed this deal and I made a shitload of money. No, I went around, I made this plan, and I accomplished something that I didn't think I was going to accomplish. I got really out of my comfort zone. So that's why I love the comparison of jujitsu competitions 
and business. You know what I mean? It makes sense to you? I did it a lot. A lot. I, I, had, I had a podcast with uh, Lucas Lepre, and he told me to get this book, The Psychology of Champions. Mm-hmm. And man, I was just reading the same thing you just told me that like different, and I, I kind of do that, but it was something that I, as soon as I read that, I felt, oh my God, that's it. You know, because yeah, that's true. A lot of people are always thinking about the outcome. Man, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. But let me just eat this cake right here (laughs) because I'm going to win next year. But now I'm eating this cake. So as soon as you start breaking down your goals, your tasks, you're going to, hey, in order for me to get there like this, 100%, I have to have a little small things every single day, every single hour, every single minute that I do to get what I want to get when I'm supposed to be ready. You know, so I remember that 2018, I was going through the same thing. I was nervous. I was excited about the tournament. I was like, man, let me just warm up. <laughs> like, I'm in the tournament. Let me just warm up. Like, before thinking about the fight, let me just warm up. And then as soon as I warmed up, I was like, man, let me pick, tape my fingers. And then I was taping my fingers like, man, I, I was, I'm here taping my fingers. I'm not here fighting yet. You know, I'm here taping my fingers. So now I'll, no, no, let me see what music I want to listen to. You know, let me see my headphone. And then I, I broke down everything, man. As soon as I got to the fight, I had zero stress. I was like, okay, now it's time to fight. No music anymore. I'm going to be here focusing, thinking. My blood is flowing. Everything is good. I'm warm. Let's just fight. You know, but yeah, if you be thinking about the, the, the outcome, you're going to just putting more pressure on yourself and that's not a good thing. Yeah. In anything or even in business too, like, or school owners, oh, how many students are going to have this month or, you know, and forgetting about the process or what, what needs to be done. The reason again, yeah. right? Like I'm going to mm-hmm. help people. Like, let me help the students I have today. Right. And then tomorrow, if they get one more or two more in this class, okay, great. They're not going to leave because this year, these people here, they're not going to leave because I'm going to treat them right. And then eventually they're going to tell friends that they're going to be happy. If they're happy, people, oh, man, why are you happy like that? Man, I'm training jiu-jitsu, man. Oh, okay, I'm going to try that because, man, you was a fat guy last year and now you're losing weight. You're happy. You know, I wanted that too. So, yeah, I believe on that 100%. So everything's connected, right? Absolutely. So what do you think that is one habit, like a high performance habit, would like to say, that has helped you in jiu-jitsu, that helped you in your entrepreneurial journey? Something you that talk you talk about one specific habit? Yeah, and so it could be something super simple that you just you notice that you practice daily. Yeah, so because I'm I always trained on small teams. I needed to get to pick people's brains to learn stuff. Because if you train with people who never won what you want to win, you cannot just go there and ask somebody, like, man, how is that to win words? You don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. So a guy who trains every day with world champions, they have a, this, this little advantage, right? But at the same time, man, we have this, Right? I don't have to be reading about, no disrespect, but let's say I don't have to be reading about Lucas Lepre if I can read about Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? It's not, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but the winning mindset is the same. You know, so reading 
and nowadays podcasts and that kind of stuff that's been my biggest asset like my biggest thing because if you don't have who to ask around you you have to find it because if you try to find yourself it's going to take years something that could take one conversation something that you could fix in one conversation you could take literally 10 years or maybe you can you can never find the answer you know so reading is my thing you know i think it's the best like i feel better i start understanding why people did that kind of stuff when they winning or why people act like that when they winning or when they losing and the habits like the habits man are everything in life you know yeah i i developed my habit of reading to probably like over 10 years ago but it's not something that came in natural for me at all um but definitely it's it was a game changer in my life that opened up my my mind for so many other things and started to get more involved to other things now uh we're coming back to the commitment again that you talked earlier because the commitment of you there's no one to tell Muhammad sit down what are you going to read when are you going to read you know what i mean it's that's, like that's one you, great you thing about americans it. that's one great thing about americans you like americans you're going to see you're going to get to the library you're going to see teenagers in there looking at books in brazil like if you if you read if you're a teenager and you read people are like, oh that's a nerd right there don't talk to this guy he's weird <laughs> you know so i like to read since i was a teenager i liked it but it is something in our culture that is not as good as it's supposed to be because people think reading is a bad thing oh my god what are you reading man oh my god like they look at you like you're sick or something you know but uh yeah man like reading is the thing because it's super hard for you to find somebody who is great and and has a free time to talk to you like i know that i'm not going to have a hour with gustavo gia gustavo with gustavo in a regular basis You know, I'm, the guy doesn't have time. It's like me. You're not going to have time to talk to Muhammad for an hour just like randomly. Like, hey, man, let's talk here. Like, no. And great people, they don't have time. They're doing something, you know. So the best way for you to find the right mindset or to learn a lot is, man, through books, through podcasts or whatever, you know. So that's something, man. Usually around you, especially for us like where i came from you not like you you're going to live 50, the first 15 years of your life and you're not going to meet one successful person you know you're not going to meet one it's going to be like you're going to be living your life walking around around losers you know so if you don't read how can you expect to be successful you know so that's something that i ask people sometimes Yeah, I I like to suggest people uh, I probably heard this I don't know long time ago but uh, that's something that uh, I've been doing for a long time and I suggest that read 10 pages a day. Let's say some people say like man I'm so busy I say man 10 pages a day. If you do 10 pages a day at the end of the year is 3650 pages. That's that's basically about 15 to 20 books. Tell you what, if you can read 15 to 20 solid books 
man, you're going to turn your life around. That's yeah. a lot of information. You know, with only 10 minutes, uh, 10 pages per day, which is the compound effect, just every day, just a little bit, you know, they add up. So don't underestimate the power of reading just 10 pages. So with that said, what is, um, what is a book that is a book that has made a big impact on you? Oh my God. So there is phases right in your life. Like I remember, I remember reading, I was probably like 15 years old or even less reading poor dad, rich dad, that changed everything at first. And then I wrote, I read, um, Bernardino's book. Great. Uh, yeah. You know, and man, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, Mike Tyson's book was important when I was in my transition to America. I love the Guga's book. Did you read Guga's? No, actually, I didn't even know he had a book. That man, that like I was crying, reading and crying. I remember I was helping Vitor Miranda for his UFC fight in Sao Paulo. And then I got this book. I was like, man, in this trip, I'm going to read this book. Man, it was deep. It was deep. Like the desire he had being nobody to, you know, being the best and then losing, having injuries and everything. This guy was awesome. I, yeah. I guess For people who don't know, um, Guga is the best tennis player. Yeah, yeah, best tennis player in Brazil yeah. that Brazil ever had. Yeah, yeah, um, So, man, a lot of books, man. I think, like, every time, like, I was, I, I got myself reading Dalai Lama last year a lot, too, because I was too stressed and I was reading about, like, Every time you need something, you know, like sometimes you more about you need to accomplish your goals, but sometimes it's too focused that you kind of get too obsessed and then you, you end up being stressed all the time and then you need to calm down a little bit, you know. So, man, I, I, I was reading everything from Dalai Lama to philosophy to, you know, I, I, I like reading. I like learning, you know, so it depends. Like, there, I don't think there was one single book that it was more important than others. You know, I think it was just planting the seeds in my mind, you know? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> what is, a, what's, let's say, the best advice you've ever received? And that could be in jiu-jitsu, could be in life, something that you, you kept, still keep in your mind. Okay, let me talk about one specific book because a lot of people are here in America. So last, last three months, three months ago, I think I read the um, David Goggins book. Mm -hmm. Get that one because that's now you can still find it and it's going to be cool. So about the best advice, man, I was a blue belt. I was 15 years old. And I remember that a lot of times I would go practice without lunch. You know, I will, I'll be at the gym without lunch and I would get in the gym and my gym is in Baja da Tijuca, you know, so it's a nice neighborhood in Rio de Janeiro. I was from a bad neighborhood. So I would go, go there, get in the gym, and see the guys, like, taking supplements, you know. At first, I didn't care because I was beating them. And I was like, man, you guys, you guys take this stuff, but you, you still suck, you know, in my mind. Um, and then eventually I start, like, they started beating me up. I didn't know that, but it was because I was training more. So I was more tired. And then eventually they would show up and beat me up. So I got so depressed, man. I remember that it was so, it was too much for my ego. You know, I couldn't take that anymore. I was like, man, these guys already reached 
you know, they have the nice shoes, the nice clothes. They have supplements. They eat good food. They're also beating me up, you know. So I was like, man, maybe I'm not supposed to be like, I don't know, maybe I'm not supposed to have anything good, you know. I, I'm supposed to be like that, and that's it, like everybody else in my family, in my neighborhood. And I, I, at that point, I accepted that I was just one more guy, you know. And then I was leaving the gym. That day supposed to be my last day because I was like, man, I'm not going to train anymore. You know, that's not for me. You know, these people are going to keep beating me up and they're, gonna, they, they're getting stronger because they're taking supplements and stuff. And then I was like, man, that's my last day. And there was a guy who was, he was, I think he's like a 35-year-old guy who never worked in his life. He was just like a rich kid, you know. And I don't know why, man. I didn't even like this guy. And then he was like walking out of the gym, going to the parking lot. He would get his car and I would go to the bus station. And then he looked at me and said, hey, Mohammed, look, man. Nobody has everything. You know, like these people who live here, they don't have what you got. And you don't have what they got too. Nobody have everything. Maybe one day you're going to have what they have but you're not going to have what you have anymore. You know, so you're going to change in the process. And then I look at this guy. I didn't say anything. I was like, hey, man, thank you. Bye. See you. See you. Bye. And then I went to the bus station, man. I remember that I sit down there and stay for like two hours. Like I didn't take no bus. I was like just thinking like, oh, my God. What this guy just told me, you know. And I think for the moment I was living, that was the most important thing that I, somebody ever told me because I was I needed that the advice you know because it was man everything was bad conception like in theory man they have every they have everything more than them than I have but they didn't you know yeah I I get you that's a good one um now what advice would you give to the younger Mohammed when you moved to the U.S.? Let's say, live, you know, what, you know, how long you've been in the U.S. now? Four years. Four years. So not that long ago, right? But let's say four years. A lot has happened in your life in the past four years, right? With starting a family and everything. So what advice, not that you want anything different, you know what I mean? Because you are uh-huh. where you're at in your life because of all the choices you made and everything. But if you could have a conversation with a younger Muhammad four years ago and said, hey, buddy, just this here, what would you tell him? Mm. <laughs> it's crazy because what I want to say, I can't say that now. But uh, <laughs> uh, let me think something else. Uh, <laughs> Is it bad? <laughs> Not bad. It, it was good. I needed this, but um, I wouldn't do that again. Let me see. Man, I think I got all great advices that I could get back in the day because I learned English. That's that's the biggest thing for somebody who's coming. Learn English. Like, learn. And I did. So the second thing you should do is that open a bank account, start building your credit. Mm. And I did that too. Well, let's, let's do this. What about advice when we decided to, you know what, 
I want to pursue jujitsu. You know, you're kind of going into that journey of I'm pursuing jujitsu. I want to make a living with this. So let's say, what would you tell him back then? Yeah, I would 100% say that, like, don't worry about money. You know, money will come. If you're good, money will come. Because I remember back in the day, I was like, man, I'm going to do MMA because jujitsu is not going to give me enough to survive. And then I stopped jiu-jitsu for almost two years because I was thinking MMA would get me out of Brazil. Not Brazil, but the reality I was living, yeah. you know. And then eventually I realized that there was a lot of Brazilians living in America doing great with jiu-jitsu. And there was a lot of MMA fighters who were broke and they never got anything. So then I realized that, man, money is not for the MMA or for jiu-jitsu or for the doctor or for whatever. It's for the people who believe and love what they do. And they do because they love, and that's why they do great. And they do great, and the money comes, you know. So I would say that, man, don't worry about money. Money will come, you know. I would say that. For sure. Now, we're getting close to the end of the interview. For people who are listening for the first time, Usually at the end of the interview, when I go at it and everything, I always reflect on some of the things that were said and like my takeaway. And then I created some type of content to inspire, impact and improve your life in some way. And usually I do some research online and come up with the content, which matter of fact, dude, that's the toughest part because doing the interview, it's easy. You just give me the content so I don't have to do really anything. So that for me, um, I've done 61 episodes so far. That's an easy part. The tough part is to create content. And you know how content creation is not an easy thing to do. And especially good content that is going to impact and help people. So that's why I put a lot of work after to figure out hey, what kind of message can I send based on what Muhammad said. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on? We're now in July 2019. So what's excited going on? Now ADCC, right? Um, IBJJF Pro League. Now the BJJ Stars, Sue. That's as far as um, competitions. Competition. Yeah. In my life, I'm still creating content, now organizing a website and stuff like that, starting to get a little more professional to be able to help more people. You know, helping the social projects in Brazil, that's always important. And we actually did something together. We're supposed to do a little more, right? Uh, yeah, man, like, uh, that's what's going on basically in my life. I just moved, like, two, you know, a few weeks ago. I didn't put anything on my walls yet, you know. So it's a brand-new apartment. And do you have the desire one day have an academy, having a yeah. own school? Yeah, uh-huh. a lot. I think about that a lot because it's great. I love teaching seminars. I go places, I teach seminars. And now I'm kind of like, man, I'm 25. You know, I'm not 19 anymore. Mm -hmm. And yesterday I was 19. So tomorrow mm -hmm. I'll be 30. So I want to start planting my seeds. I don't know when, I don't know where. And I don't know how, <laughs> but I know that I want to do some, you know, because jujitsu is great, man. It's, competition is just a little bit. Like you said, competition is just a little bit, almost nothing. And I think with my story and with my experiences, I can, like I said, the fat guy who is not fat anymore and I'm happy, 
I want to be with that guy. I want to help that guy too. You know, now he's happy and now all his friends wants to train because this guy is happy, you know. So I think that's jiu-jitsu. That's not me. I'm not saying that I'm something. I'm not. I'm nothing. But jiu-jitsu is great and I can be a tool, you know, to help people and be, that's the way I think. I know it's a lot hard, like it's a lot harder than that, right? You have a lot of other stuff that you have to care about. That's why I didn't do it yet. But yeah, I'm definitely thinking about that. Yeah, the right moment will come for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think you, I believe you will feel your kind of your mind gravitating towards that desire of like, man, I really want to do that. And just make sure that you listen to your heart that, you know, you don't suppress that if you feel that it's kind of you having that call that is the time to do that. And now, of course, make sure that prepare yourself well to have a business plan and everything. And, and you're a guy that it's always, as I mentioned, like reading and educating yourself. So I know that when is the right moment is going to happen. And I have no doubt dude, that it's going to be successful. No doubt at all. You've been successful in, in your career so far. And, and I know that you're going to be committed to that business whenever is the time so for sure it's gonna happen so man thank you for your time i know again you're all over the place doing all kinds of stuff but we made it happen so it's been great man thanks for, thank you very much it was great to be here with gustavo dantas i said gustavo diaz i was <laughs> like man no gustavo diaz the guy i always fight that's gustavo <laughs> dantas you know so yeah it was awesome i'm sorry man we've been planning this podcast for like maybe three months yeah so man thank you very much it was awesome i love the little things that you told me i even wrote it down here like the three mm -hmm. uh performance right outcome, outcome performance yeah and it's outcome goal performance goal and process goal exactly i love that thing because i was just reading that and now as you say that is something more to pin over here you know and keep it like that yeah man mm -hmm. thank you very much i'm about to organize everything and go train maybe eat something before but yeah, it was yes, awesome. Sure. It was great. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, yes. let me know if you liked it. Yeah, it was awesome. And so for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Oos. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Muhammad Ali. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Muhammad is an IBJJF black belt adult world champion gi and no gi. He shared the early days of his career, the challenge of balancing the life of a professional athlete while building his personal brand and spending time with his family. During the interview, the word commitment popped up a few times, which inspired me to title this episode, Be Committed to Your Vision. As you already know, after each interview, I reflect on my takeaway, do some research, and brainstorm a possible message that can inspire, impact, and or improve your life in some way. I found an interesting definition of commitment at the website UrbanDictionary.com. Quote, commitment is what transforms the promise into reality. It's the words that speak boldly of your intentions and the actions which speak louder than words. It's making the time when there is none, coming through time after time, year after year. Commitment is the stuff character is made of, the power to change the face of things. It's the daily triumph of integrity over skepticism, unquote. There is a book titled The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, 
in the book, the first agreement is be impeccable with your word, which means speak with integrity and say only what you mean. In the book, when the author talks about the power of the word, he says, quote, through the word, you express your creative power. It's through the word that you manifest everything, regardless of what language you speak. Your intent manifests through the word, unquote. During the interview, Muhammad mentioned something interesting and funny. He said, some people say next year I'll be a world champion. But right now I have to finish eating this cake. What I got from what he said is that it's not necessarily the cake per se. The cake is just a metaphor for people who are spitting out their visions of what they're going to do with their athletic careers or their business. However, their actions are consistently not in congruence with the idea or dream they have and their words. I was talking once with a young, brand new black belt that had high expectations for his career. And he said, next year, I'm going to win the world. The athlete had great potential. However, he struggled with commitment. If you want to become a world champion in anything, especially in a high level like IBJJF adult black belt division, you must be impeccable with your word, which means you have to be impeccable with the process to get there. He asked me, do you think I can do it? I answered, man, personally, I have never won an IBJJF black belt world title. However, I have trained with some of them and I saw what they did to achieve what they accomplished. And currently, I feel that you're not fully committed. First, put your priorities in check. Then train consistently. After that, sign up for a few tournaments. Get the necessary points so you can qualify to compete. Respect the process. The world consists in two days, and basically, you have to win two tournaments to become the champion. You have to win on Saturday. Then you join the other seven best guys in the world in that division who committed themselves for the whole year, who have made sacrifices and are very hungry, and you have to beat all of them. So then you can reach your dream to become a world champion. Since then, he has competed once in the past two years, and it didn't go well. Hopefully, he'll be able to turn this around one day. Here's the thing. Most of the athletes in the black belt division are very committed and focused. However, most of them will not make it to day two. So if any athlete that is kind of committed feels that he or she can win without putting the proper amount of work in, is being delusional. Now, what about you? Do you speak with integrity and say only what you mean towards your goals and dreams? If you want to open a business or take your business to an even higher level, you have to ask yourself, am I fully committed to my goal or a dream? Am I doing enough? Could I be doing more? Be honest. If you are, keep going. If not, it's time for a reality check. Another agreement from the book is always do your best. Quote, Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you're healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret, unquote. Years ago, I had an idea related to my business and I decided to share it with my wife and I told her, hey, I'm thinking about doing this and that. I don't even remember exactly what it was. And she said, so you're going to do it? I said, no, 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 I'm just thinking about it. She replied, when was the last time you said you were thinking about doing something and you didn't? I thought about it and I said, well, that's a good point. When I have an idea, I do my best to execute it. Do I succeed in all attempts? Absolutely not. Sometimes the idea doesn't work well and I stop. Sometimes the timing is not ideal 
and I have to put on pause. And sometimes it works well, but I'm always doing the best I can with the tools and knowledge I have right now. And you should do the same. Remember the fourth agreement. Always do your best. What idea or goal have you been procrastinating to execute in your business or your career? What is preventing you from being fully committed to your desire? Take full responsibility for being impeccable with your word towards your goals. Focus on doing the best you can with the tools and knowledge you have right now. Sometimes your best is enough to win or achieve your goal. Sometimes it's not. But at least you'll be at peace knowing that you went after what you had in mind instead of just wondering what would have happened. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. 